Hello and welcome to another episode of The Voice of a Lion. It is always a great pleasure to bring you the word of life and I trust that this episode is going to be a great blessing to you. In this episode, we're going to be concluding on the series on how to grow in grace. In this series, we are looking at three important keys on how to grow in grace. In the first part of this series, we discussed the first key, which is understanding what grace is. And in the second part of this series, we discussed the second key, which is understanding and aligning with the purpose of grace. If you have not listened to the first part and the second part of this series, please ensure that you do so and you will be tremendously blessed by those episodes. You can easily find the first and second part of this series on the Voice of Alignment channel on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any of the major podcast channels you may be listening to this podcast form, or you can find it on YouTube or on Facebook, or you can simply visit www.voiceofalignment.com. Now, in this third part and the final part of this series, I'll be sharing on the third key to growing in grace. And this third key is what I refer to as engaging grace profitably. When I talk about engaging grace profitably, what do I mean? To engage grace is to put it to work or to put it to use. But when I talk about engaging grace profitably, I'm talking about being result-oriented in your engagement of grace. In other words, it entails knowing what returns or benefit God expects from the grace that he has given you and going all out to ensure that you deliver those returns or benefits with the grace that God has bestowed upon you. Now, just like an investor, God is always looking for profitable vessels to entrust more grace to. Now, a perfect illustration of this can be seen in the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25 from verse 14 to 30. Now, in this parable, the first and second servants who engaged the talents that were given to them with evidence of profit enjoyed an increase. In the same passage in Matthew chapter 25 verse 29, Jesus said, For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from he who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. When we read this passage carefully, we will discover that what Jesus was talking about here was not just the talent or the grace. What Jesus was talking about or what he was referring to in this passage was the gains or the profit from the talent or grace that had been provided to the servants. So, in the context of grace in Matthew chapter 25 verse 29, Jesus is simply saying, that everyone who has gains or profits of grace will receive more grace. Now, to better understand this, you must see God as an investor of grace. Even in the life of Jesus, we see God investing grace for a return or for a profit. For instance, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, the Bible says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. In other words, you becoming rich is the return or the profit of the sacrificial grace that came upon Jesus. Again, in Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 9 to 10, the Bible says something. It says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Verse 10, For it is fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. In a nutshell, what this passage is showing us is how through the grace of God, Jesus was able to die for everyone and the result from that grace that God gave to Jesus was many sons being brought to glory. So, if God was result and profit oriented in his discharge of grace to Jesus, how much more you and I? As Christians, we must have this same kind of orientation towards grace which Jesus had. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, Paul said, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Now, when you read this same passage in the New Living Translation of the Bible, it says, But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. And not without results. Friend, God is result-oriented in his discharge of grace. And if we really want to grow in grace, we too must have the same result orientation about the grace that God has given to us. Now, the big question we must answer at this point is, how do we engage grace profitably? In other words, how do we engage grace with a result orientation? Friends, it's very possible to have a particular grace and not to know the exact results that God is expecting from that grace. But if you know how grace is being engaged profitably, you will definitely end up with the result that God desires, even if you do not know it at the onset. It's like driving to a destination you have never been before. You may not know what that destination looks like, but if you know how to drive with a GPS map, such as a Google map, and you use that map for direction, you will definitely arrive at your desired location, even though you do not know what that location looks like. The same principle applies with grace. Remember the three manifestations of grace we talked about in the first part of this series. You see, engaging grace profitably is not something that happens when the prophet appears. Many times, it is something that is consistently done for a long time, even before the prophet appears. Think of it like a farmer who grows tomatoes, for instance. It may take about 80 or 90 days after germination to get to a harvest or to have the first harvest. But there are many things that the farmer needs to do between day 1 and day 80 or day 90 when the harvest begins 
to appear in order to guarantee that that harvest will surely come. Now, this is the same case with grace and engaging it profitably. For you to engage grace profitably, there are things that must be done in order to guarantee that you see the profits or the results of that grace. So the question still is, how do we engage grace profitably? To answer this question, we will look at the three different manifestations of grace that we have discussed in the first part of this teaching, which are spiritual blessings, favors, and gifts. So, let's start with spiritual blessings. How do we profitably engage the manifestation of grace as a spiritual blessing? Friends, we engage spiritual blessings profitably by taking steps of faith. As you know, faith comes from the Word of God. For every blessing, there is a word. There is a word of instruction on what your part is in that blessing. It may be a spoken word from God, a written word from God, or even an inspiration which 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 shows as the channel of the word of God. So therefore, to engage spiritual blessings profitably, you must locate the word or the instruction that God has attached to that blessing and you must begin to take steps of faith in line with that word. It is important for me to emphasize that sometimes the blessing will not come with a clear word but an inspiration or an idea. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, the Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Sometimes what you will get is not a clear word but an inspiration that reveals what you must do. That inspiration may come in the form of an idea or it may come in the form of a mental picture or it may come in the form of a vision. A typical illustration of this can be seen in the case of Isaac in Genesis chapter 26 from verse 2 to 5 where God blessed Isaac. This blessing came at a time when there was famine in the land and where Isaac was living and when Isaac was considering relocating from that place. But when you read the blessing that God pronounced on Isaac in Genesis chapter 26 from verse 2 to 5, you will discover that from all that God spoke, the only instruction in the spoken word of God to Isaac was for Isaac to stay in that land. But when you read further down to verse 12, we see the result of the blessing, which was a hundredfold harvest in the time of famine. However, if we think this is all to eat, then we are mistaken because Isaac did a few other things which must have been through inspiration. Now first, Isaac planted crops. God never told him to plant crops. As a matter of fact, Isaac grew up with his father Abraham who was a cattle farmer and not really much of a crop farmer. So Isaac had little or no antecedent when it comes to crop farming. So clearly, Isaac's decision to plant crops must have been a product of inspiration that came after the blessing was released. Now, second, Isaac planted in farming and then invented an irrigation system that made it possible to have a hundredfold harvest when there was no rain. Now, how do I know this? In verse 14 of that passage, 
after he had such a bountiful harvest and became wealthy as a result of this bountiful harvest he had, the Bible records that the Philistines envied him. Then in verse 15, the Philistines began to cover the wells dug by Abraham. Now they knew the secret of Isaac's farming success was the wells which Isaac irrigated from. And so they began to cover up those wells. And as a further proof that this was the secret behind Isaac's success, Isaac kept on digging more wells as they covered the previously dug wells. The Bible never recorded an instruction from God to Isaac to dig wells and irrigate from those wells. So the idea of irrigation must definitely have been an inspiration that came after the blessing was released upon Isaac. In some cases, aside from the word and inspiration that may accompany a blessing, an opportunity may open up, triggered by the blessing. Remember we said in the first part of this teaching that a spiritual blessing compels forces and beings in the spirit realm to favor you. And this may be manifest in the form of an open door to you. Therefore, in order to engage the manifestation of grace as spiritual blessing in a profitable way, you must act on the word or on the inspiration or on the opportunities that come or show up with the blessing. This, my friend, is how we can profitably engage grace as a spiritual blessing. Now, the next is favor. How do we profitably engage the manifestation of grace as favor? Now, remember that when we talked about favor as a manifestation of grace, we were referring to favor with men and women who can make a positive difference in your life. Just like water is channeled through a pipe, this manifestation of grace that is called favor is often channeled through relationships. Many times, when God is about to introduce grace in the form of favor in your life, he will either introduce new relationships into your life or use existing relationships or he can even restore broken relationships just for this purpose. Therefore, to engage the favor dimension of grace profitably, we must nurture these relationships with the right attitude and with the right disposition. An example of this can be seen in the case and in the life of Esther. When you read the book of Esther chapter 2 from verse 8 to 9, we see that Esther first had favor with the king's servant, which she profitably engaged with the right attitude. And that relationship with the king's servant became instrumental in positioning her to become queen. Then as queen, she found favor with the king in Esther chapter 5, from verse 1 to 8, which she profitably engaged with the right attitude, which resulted in the king accepting her invitation for a banquet. Then further on in Esther chapter 7, from verse 1 to 6, she again found favor with the king, which led to the killing of Haman, who had plotted for the killing of the Jews, and that led to the deliverance of her people, who were the Jews. Now, unlike her predecessor, University, Esther engaged the favored dimension of grace with the right attitude. And this ultimately resulted in her growing in a level of grace that could deliver 
the Jewish people from destruction. Now let's look at the next dimension of grace, which is gift. When grace is manifested as a gift, how do we engage it profitably? Now grace as a gift is engaged profitably by putting it to use. In the Passion Translation of the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 refers to this as energizing and activating the gift. First Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 5 to 6 says, The Lord Yahweh is one and he is the one who apportions to believers different varieties of ministries. Verse 6 says, The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gifts and ministry and he energizes and activates them. Now, there are two things to stress in this passage, the word energizing and the word activating. To energize your gift is to create an enabling environment for that gift to function at its best. It is a deliberate attempt to subject yourself to influences or to an atmosphere that makes that gift that God has given you to work. An example or an illustration of this can be seen in the life of Elisha in the book of 2 Kings chapter 3 verse 15 where Elisha had to energize his prophetic gifts and ministry by calling for a by calling for a minstrel whose music created the spiritual atmosphere for the prophetic gift and ministry of Elisha to come alive at that moment. A vital way to energize your gift is to engage the help of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, nothing electrifies and magnifies your gifts like the influence of the Holy Spirit. Nothing powers your gift like the power of the Holy Spirit. We can also energize our gifts through acquiring relevant information and training and knowledge that aids our gifts and its efficiency. To activate your gift, you must put it to use. You must put it to use in service to God and to humanity. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 refers to this as fanning your gifts into flame. Friend, until we make a habit of profitably engaging the gift dimension of grace that God has given to us by energizing and activating it, we cannot grow in this dimension of grace. So in summary, we have discussed the third key in this series on how to grow in grace. And since grace can either be a spiritual blessing or a favor or a gift, as we saw in the first part of this series, we have seen that there is a way to engage each of these manifestations of grace profitably. For spiritual blessings, we engage them positively and profitably by acting on the instructions, the inspirations, the ideas or the opportunities that come with that blessing. For grace that is manifested as favor, we engage it profitably through the right attitude and disposition to relationships which are channels of favor. And for grace manifested as a gift, we engage it profitably by energizing and activating the gift. 
We energize our gifts by subjecting ourselves and our gifts to influences and environments that amplify those gifts and we activate our gifts by putting them to work for the glory of God and for the benefit of humanity. In conclusion, I would like to mention that the profit from grace that God makes available to you is God's responsibility, not yours. Your responsibility is to engage the gift profitably by doing the things that I've just shared here. And God's responsibility is to bring the profit. As a matter of fact, the profit that God brings to you is often a reward for your engagement of the grace he makes available to you in a profitable way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 6, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. The planting and the watering is essential and must be done for the increase. But the increase comes from God after the planting and the watering have been done. For example, if you have a blessing for financial prosperity released upon you, your focus should not be the money. Rather, your focus should be on the ideas or inspiration that comes with that blessing of financial prosperity. As you take steps in line with those ideas or inspirations, God will definitely bring the money or the wealth that becomes the evidence of the blessing of financial prosperity. Now, remember the story of Peter who toiled all night and caught nothing in the book of Luke chapter 5 from verse 1 to 11. But when Jesus, the embodiment of grace, came on the scene, Peter received a word. In response to the instructions, Luke chapter 5 verse 5 says, But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. The job of Peter in engaging the grace that was at work in a profitable manner was to obey the instructions. The one who gave the instruction was responsible for the mighty catch that Peter had. If that word had failed and Peter caught nothing, Peter had nothing to lose. Rather, it would have been the integrity of Jesus and the word that would have been at stake. So friends, the profit or the result of the grace that God makes available to you becomes the obligation of God the moment you engage that grace in a profitable way. And once you do so, not only does God bring the profit or the result of the grace, he also brings an increase in the grace. We have now come to the end of this series and I believe that it has been a tremendous blessing to you. To get the best of this series, I'd like to encourage you to take out time to listen to the three parts of this series over and over again until you become a living reality of this teaching. To connect with us and to stay in touch with the Voice of Alignment channel on any podcast app or social media platform of your choice, please visit www.voiceofalignment.com forward slash connect and you will find links to our channels on all the major podcast apps and social media platforms. I look forward to bringing the word of God to you again in the next episode. God bless you.